0: That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk
1: here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. And it's a um, interesting, interesting night, coming off an interesting uh, day in the sports world following what happened last night. In Cincinnati, I mean, we're so far removed from that. It's not in our backyard yet. I think in the sports world, if you're in the business or you're just a fan of anything in the NFL or anywhere in the sports world, you're impacted in some way or another by what happened last night with DeMar Hamlin and that very, very serious situation there in Cincinnati, and this is a event that's taken on a life of its own, Um uh, Not to overlook the fact that this is a young man, you know, fighting for his life in the hospital in Cincinnati, and hopefully everything's going well and he'll be out soon. But a situation where, in today's world of instant reaction and opinions, everything is dissected from what the NFL did or did not do, what the television coverage did or did not do, and of course, there's the typical fighting on the social media because people don't know how to behave and you know you put an opinion out there and somebody doesn't like it they want to take you to task So well, this thing of course has spun out of control uh, throughout the last um, well since it happened about what uh, 22 hours ago or so 21 hours ago so uh, we're going to talk about it here of course and at the bottom of the hour I couldn't think of two better people to bring on board to talk about the life of an NFL player, because obviously when something like this happens, football is also put in the spotlight and is gets attacked from various angles about the safety of the sport. And so uh, Corey Miller and Rick Sanford will join us here at 630 and talk about uh, their experiences from their days in the NFL in dealing with situations like this. Uh, Thankfully for the two of them, they never had to experience anything like this personally. But certainly during their time on a football field, they've seen the stretcher come out. They've seen the ambulance come out uh, for other reasons. Um, Not since um, there was the death of a Detroit Lion player in the 60s against the Chicago Bears have we had a death on a football field in the National Football League. Unfortunately, last night, we didn't have one either, unless, of course, you believe that he passed away and they brought him back, which some of the accounts say that was the case. So it certainly is a, um, a reflective moment, I think, for everybody who watched that, and um, everybody has their feelings and their thoughts about it. So I'm just thankful as heck that the young man is um, – alive and last reports are he's critical but stable and i think that um with the nfl basically right now on pause though they say they will play their games this weekend but this Bengals and and uh bills game right now has not been rescheduled they have put that to the side and nfl teams i think across the league called off their practices today and things like that chris i'm telling you this this impact has been beyond the NFL. It's been basically worldwide, and I think it's because of just the nature of the event caught on national television and something that, fortunately, uh, we, we really haven't seen before. If we have, it's been few and far between, and it's just um, it's cold slap in the face to everybody when you see something like that happen.
2: It's a sharp reality feel that sports, as much as we love it, is a dangerous business, especially when you get you know, strong, fast, and, and young people who collide with one another constantly. Uh, clearly, this is something that, that so rarely happens. We are very fortunate it doesn't happen more often. And also, you know, one young man who's sort of lost in all of this, how is T. Higgins feeling? He did nothing wrong. He caught the football. He was running, trying to get away from a tackle, and this occurs while he's being tackled by Hamlin, and it's just a horrible situation all the way around. It's fortunate, and, and the one thing I hope, Phil, that comes out of this, the good side of this coin, hopefully, first off, he's okay. Whether or not he plays football again is irrelevant. Just that he walks out of the hospital and is okay. It's the, the critical, important thing. But one thing I hope that does happen, I hope it shows the value of sports medicine, athletic trainers, doctors, to high schools in particular, because there are still high schools in our state that don't have athletic trainers And if it's not for athletic trainers and the doctors and the sports medicine people on that sideline, we're talking about this story possibly being entirely different than it was. I mean, when you're in a situation where you apply CPR for nine minutes on the field, have the defibrillator out there and have to perhaps shock him back to life. I mean, if there's no trained personnel to do that, we're talking about this in an entirely different light. And I hope schools look at this as not just another expenditure, but one they have to have. It's just as important, in my opinion, moving forward as it is an assistant coach.
1: Yeah. Really, when you think about it, you shouldn't be playing football if you don't have that. You shouldn't be mm-hmm. playing football if you don't have a staff, if you don't have ambulances at the ready. The uh, the beautiful thing, and you touched on it, the beautiful thing about last night was the preparedness of the emergency crew there in Cincinnati. The NFL requires, of course, their teams to have everything set up in advance with the equipment with a hospital designated for an emergency situation like this they knew exactly where they were going to go and i'm sure there were staff there at the cincinnati hospital waiting on on the ambulance to arrive knowing exactly what they had to do so and i think they did everything they humanly possibly could i mean i don't know what some people expect to to do what they did in such a quick amount of time in such a um, professional and for lack of a better term neat fashion in other words they weren't bumbling and stumbling all over each other you know they got there the cincinnati medical staff came out and then the emergency crew came out and they got to work and did what they had to do and um I, you know I, I, it's they deserve a, an immense amount of, of credit uh, for what they were able to uh, to do last night um the one thing I will say, too, you know, watching the television coverage and ESPN, of course, was doing the game, and the, immediately it goes from being a sports story to a news story. It's like 1989 doing the, the World Series, and you have an mm-hmm. earthquake in San Francisco. All of a sudden, you become a news reporter and not a sports play-by-play guy. And they did an excellent job, of course, in, in covering. Uh, I would fault them with one thing, though. There was a tweet by – his name was Jordan Rooney. And he's a representative of Hamlin. He's uh, not his agent, but he's sort of a uh, marketing guy for him. And he put out a tweet about an hour after all this went down. Maybe it was 90 minutes. And he gave an update on him in which he said he's, he's in the hospital. He's uh, stable. He's critical. They put him to sleep so they can put a tube down his throat to help him breathe. And um, he, uh, you know, we'll have updates as soon as possible. And I retweeted that thing last night. ESPN never picked up on that. And I'm watching them for two, two and a half hours when they went from the game coverage to back to their studio to sports center, they never picked up on that tweet. And I think that tweet would have settled the, the nerves of a lot of people. Uh, that information I think would have settled the nerves of a lot of people. Had they seen the tweet of, or heard the information, because I think that that was uh, credible, accurate And to the point, at that point in time, people didn't know if he was dead or alive or what was going on with him. And I thought that that was incredibly uh, good information and good news when he tweeted that out. So kudos for him for putting that out there and kind of, I think, uh, kind of settling uh, the nerves of people. I was a little bit surprised that the ESPN or other major media outlets did not pick up on that and and repeat it. So, um, And they maybe could have... uh, eased the nerves of a of a lot of people who were upset over this thing. The other thing too is, and we don't know the answer to this yet, and that is, you know, was the situation caused by a, a direct hit? As you know, having a, a wife who was uh, in the business mm-hmm. as a trainer and all that, uh, and I looked it up, and there's a condition, it, it's rare, you know, but you take a shot uh, to the heart and it can throw it off it can knock it off
2: exactly what heidi thinks happened
1: right or what we don't know of course is was there a pre-existing medical Mm -hmm. condition that had not been caught through a a variety of physicals and and all that kind of stuff so these are things that we'll find out in time and there's no need to rush to judgment yet the main thing of course is that the young man get healthy and, and get on with his life and uh and he can just kind of put this behind him so um Hoping for the best and expecting the best here because I think, um, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything, but it seems to me like at this point, if he's uh, if the reports continue to be like they are, I see it as encouraging, not discouraging. You know, I, I don't know that maybe he's crossed a, a danger point now, and now it's just a matter of uh, going through the recovery process and doing the things that they have to do. I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know, um, but I just think that the longer that we don't hear any bad news that they could only be good things going on in that hospital room.
2: I would think so. The longer he goes without any bad reports, it's got to be good news. And, and, gosh, we certainly hope so. I, I can't imagine, and, and, Phil, you're a parent. I am not. But could you imagine, first off, seeing your daughter or your son in that scenario, and you're at the stadium. Mm. Fortunately, uh, Hamlin's parents, I think, both were there. Certainly his mother was there. On the flip side, could you imagine being at home watching your son play football on television and having to rely on TV trying to get information uh, as you try and figure out a way to get to Cincinnati as quickly as you can yeah. from I'm guessing Pittsburgh because that's where he's from and uh, I think what played his college ball at, at Pitt.
1: Yeah um, yeah, you're exactly right and you know what happens every Saturday every Sunday watching football there's family members watching on television and somebody goes down with a knee injury or a broken arm or whatever the case may be knocked out concussion and they see it and of course they they worry about it Um yeah, that's one other piece of positive news. I, I listened a lot today to uh, listen to Rich Eisen, who's with the NFL Network, of mm-hmm. course, very tied in the NFL. And then I listened to the NFL Network on radio a good bit today just to hear what they were saying through their sources. And they held the ambulance up. According to this doctor who was on NFL Network, I think it was the doctor, um, they held up the ambulance until his mother got in there with him, which he said is a good sign. Because, you know, in the case of an absolute extreme emergency, something like that, you don't wait. You go ahead uh, and you head off to the hospital and the family joins you separately. But they were able to wait until she was able to get into the vehicle with them. Uh, They took that as being um, a good sign. So maybe it was a good sign. You know, let's 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 hope let's hope so that all these things add up to um, to very good signs. Looking forward to talking to uh, Dr. Rick and to uh, Corey at the bottom of the hour. Uh, because these guys have been there. They've been on that NFL field. They know what those hits are like. They know what it's like to see a comrade down. I'm sure they know what it's like to see one taking off in an ambulance. So I'd be interested to hear their thoughts. And before we move on, in your experience, when you were on the staff at South Carolina as a manager, not a coach, as a manager.
2: No, thank God. Though you thought you probably could coach. (laughs) You were there with George Felton, and then you were there with – Steve Newton, first year in the SEC. Yep, yep, yep. 94 by 50. First time I'd ever learned learned (laughs) JoJo English's real name. Yeah, He only called him Steven. Steven. (laughs) But you were there,
1: and I was there, but I was there as a media member. You were there on the staff the night Joe Rett had his cardiac episode in Columbia, and that was one of the scariest things
2: I'd ever seen. January 26th of 92 against Mississippi State, and Phil, I'll never forget. I, I had to look up the date, but I won't forget otherwise because uh, Joe, he just lost all color in his, in his body and collapsed. And, of course, I think most folks, Gamecock fans will remember just how talented Joe Rett was as a basketball player. And he had to play with a pacemaker. Mm-hmm. And something happened during that ball game, and he just collapsed in the second half. And, you know, you could have heard a pin drop at that time in, in, in Carolina Coliseum. And I, I know talking to uh, our teammates at that time, none of them wanted to continue that ball game. None of them wanted to continue playing because you, your thoughts immediately go to your friend, your your roommate, your fallen teammate. You don't want to worry about a basketball game against Mississippi State. I mean, it, it's so irrelevant. And I'm sure that's what the Bills were thinking last night. You know, I heard that report come out that the NFL is going to give those. Players about five minutes, and then they were going to run back out there. Now I've heard the NFL said that was incorrect; they, they never said that at all. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine the Bills wanting to continue that ball game after what they witnessed on the field. And same thing here: none of the Gamecock players wanted to play that game after seeing Joe Wreck collapse on the floor. And you're more worried about was Joe going to, you know, make it through the night? Yeah, much less whether or not he's going to ever play basketball again.
1: And again, that was a case of an undisclosed heart situation; mm-hmm. nobody knew about it. And it turned out that, um, fortunately for him, it wasn't. Uh, actually, he came back and played. He came back and played with the uh, pacemaker. Yeah, he continued. He resumed his career,
2: and um, I want well, to say was he before finished. when he collapsed. When he collapsed was after the pacemaker, if I'm not mistaken. He had actually had the pacemaker beforehand and collapsed during the game because that was his senior year. So he was going to be done anyway. Yeah. And so after that occurred, that was the end of his basketball career because he basically said, "My health is more important than basketball." Okay. Okay. Was that a second co- I, I I tend to. I'm trying to. Rem- so I, I had th- to go back and, and look it up myself. I'm, I'm because thinking it's been that. So long ago.
1: He, I'm thinking that the. Okay. I mean, of course, you're with you were there. Um, <clears throat> he had already had the pacemaker installed Correct. by that mm-hmm. point. Okay. Yeah. I thought the collapse was the first sign of something and then he had the pacemaker uh, put in and he went on and continued his career
2: no i'm pretty sure and i'll go double check again but i'm, I'm almost positive he had had the pacemaker installed beforehand yeah, yeah. and then he collapsed uh, later on yeah. and again after that happened against mississippi state that was the end of what was a really promising career mm-hmm. joe was one of the more physically gifted six foot eight inch small forwards i've ever seen great jump shot tremendous hands great ability around the basket he, he was sort of unfortunately robbed of what could have been a, a really really good basketball career mm-hmm. and he came out of that Eau Claire factory along with Barry Manning who was also on the Gamecock team at the same time so I mean it was just really really sad scenario and fortunately for Joe and again we're hoping the same thing for Hamlin Joe was able to go on and, and was fine he just couldn't play basketball anymore sure sure
1: okay Uh, Our phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk. If you happen to lose us uh, tonight for whatever reason over the airwaves, remember, you can stay with us. We have our stream on Twitter and on Facebook. And on YouTube, invite you to check all those out, video streams. If you want to look at us and hear us, you can do that. If you just want to hear us, go to our website, sportstalksc.com, and click on the audio stream there, and you can find us anytime. you lose us over the airways. I know from time to time we have some other programming that bumps us on your local affiliate, understandable. And if you want to stay with us, that's how you can do so. So we recommend that you um, follow us on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page on our Twitter page, and also get the audio stream from our Sports Talk website. 888 898 is the number. South Carolina Education Lottery, mm-hmm. lucky number. We'll go to our break and come back with more and update some things. One Phillip, player can, leaving. Before we
2: get to break, mm-hmm. just so Joe doesn't call the program and get upset with us, he actually had the pacemaker installed in February of 1990, which was installed to control a slow heartbeat at the time. Mm-hmm. So this, this occurred in ninety two when he collapsed against Mississippi State. The
1: collapse happened in 92. Okay. Yes, sir. Very good. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number since 2002. More than $160 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund SC Hope Scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Been playing for fun is a win for education. Got a big Powerball drawing tonight as well if you want to win about 700000000 million. We'll be back.
0: It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
4: Think big,
5: life-changing. I'm talking education, inventive, next level education. Wake up. For 20 years, education has received billions in funding. Where you ask? (laughs) Right here, across our state, in your own backyard. Who has done this? Well, if you've ever played the lottery, that would be you. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. A couple of things to pass along. USC opening SEC play tonight at Vanderbilt. That game will tip off a little bit after 7 o'clock. And today, USC offensive guard Javon Gwynn announced that he is not coming back for another year, had another year of eligibility. He's not returning. He's going to go ahead and attempt to make it in the NFL. But Jalen Nichols... A starter on the other side at tackle, he announced he is coming back for another year to uh, South Carolina, so veteran lineman will be returning. Clemson kicker B.T. Potter invited to the NFL Combine, and uh, let's see what else we have for you here. Um, The uh, Clemson-Tennessee game in the Orange Bowl, according to ESPN PR, 8.6 million viewers, the most watched non-Semi-Orange Bowl since 2017, best standalone New Year's Six game since 17. Could not find any numbers on the Gator Bowl. I looked and looked and looked, have not seen any numbers, any, any viewership numbers published on the Gator Bowl. I'd like to find that out. The semifinals delivered 21.7 million viewers, becoming the most viewed non-New Year's Day semi of the CFP era. If you want to break it down, it was um, 21.4 million viewers for the uh, Michigan TCU game, and 21. Point, make that 22.1 million viewers for the Georgia Ohio State
2: game. I guess there goes the narrative that you should not play the uh, semis on New Year's Eve. Huh? I guess. I mean, they're saying that
1: it, it would still do more if you didn't have it on New Year's no Eve. Doubt. But that's still not bad. Those are
2: pretty good numbers. That is.
1: Uh, Former Coastal Carolina quarterback Bryce Archie is transferring to a USF. Uh, We go to Hank in Columbia. Joining us first here on Sports Talk, for those of you who weren't with us last night, and apparently a lot of you weren't, we were on the air last night. So, Hank, you're not the first caller of the new year. That was Sam. Sam will go in the record books as caller number one of 2023. But it's okay. You're not even number two. You're number three.
4: <laughs> yeah, corn. I was just calling because, uh, actually, with the school uh, with Red, uh, uh, was in classes when he when he got the pacemaker installed. Um, he um, they did they had a little machine on him to, to, to help regulate the pacemaker when he first got it. And I think that because because he was having shortness of breath during that uh, during those years back in the nineteen ninety year. Mm-hmm. Um, But I was actually in the arena when he uh, had collapsed against Mississippi State. Um, But I was just calling to say that uh, he actually did go over and play again. He actually um, he didn't play. Get drafted, of course, because there was uh, right around the time after it happened. um, You know, you had the um, the whole scenario with the um, Hank Gathers thing, where where he passed away on the court, Mm -hmm. and so a lot of anxiousness about NBA teams and all that. Um, wanting to take that risk. But actually, he went over and played some in Europe. I think he was a European MVP for a couple of years before he finally retired from basketball. So he did play after. He didn't play for Carolina again or in the NBA, but he did play some European basketball.
1: Hmm. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. And I've seen Joe from time to time. He looks great. And um, Yeah, it looks great. Mm-hmm.
4: I've been be with him at the gym for it. looks great. His son played, you know, remember, for a small school, didn't play at Darwin for a little bit. Um, he's in good shape. He works out.
1: That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Hank, thank you very much. Appreciate the phone call. We're going to hit the break here at the bottom of the hour. And coming up, Rick Sanford and Corey Miller will join us. 7.05, our final Chalk Talk session of the year. Ellis Johnson and Chuck Reedy. We talk about those bowl games. I'm sure they'll have something to say, too, about what happened last night. We'll be back after the break. Don't go away. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. In just a moment, Rick Sanford, Corey Miller will join us. And, you know, it was 70 degrees today here in South Carolina. And to me, that felt like summertime weather. I'm glad I brought the weather back from Miami with me. You can thank me later. Send back. You can thank me. You can thank me later. But it made me think about the summertime. And, you know, the summertime is groovy in South Carolina. And if you haven't made your plans yet for a summer vacation, let me suggest that you get in touch with our good friend Jimmy Smith there at Paulie's Vacation Rentals in Pauly's Island in Litchfield. Let Jimmy get you set up in a great location, a condo or a house. It could be for a weekend or a week or longer, maybe a month or two. And if you want to buy some property or sell some property down that way, Jimmy is the man to call with his great staff They'll take great care of you. Here's that phone number. It's 843-237-4246. Once again, 843-237-4246. Don't delay. Early bird gets the worm. And and Jimmy's okay. Uh, He went to the Gator Bowl. Tough loss. But he's okay. He's on his feet. He's doing fine in case you were worried about him. That's Jimmy Smith, James Smith Realty, VacationRentals.com. 843-237-4246. 843 Your perfect beach getaway is just a call away. Okay, we were all shocked by what we saw last night in the NFL game. Let's welcome in two guys that we respect, of course, immensely. And they've been there. That's why I, I trust their opinions. I trust their judgments. They've been there. They've been on those NFL fields. They've seen things happen. And I thought it'd be uh, informative to hear from them about last night and their thoughts on that we welcome in rick sanford and Corey miller dr rick how are you
6: i'm doing great phil thank you very much
7: for having me on
1: and happy new year to you and uh, pastor happy new year to you i hope things are going well
7: going great blessings and greetings to everyone here and those out there listening hope you're off to a wonderful start to this 2023
1: absolutely okay guys rick uh Start with you, watching the game last night, I'm sure. Huge football game, and then this happens. What were your thoughts as you saw those things play out on the field last night?
6: Well, Phil, it's really strange because I've never seen anything like that. i would never seen, you know, basically a a player die on the field, and that's what happened last night. If not for the uh, medical personnel, uh, this this young man would not – be alive today and uh i thought they did a tremendous job and and um you know helping get everything all set up on the field as quickly as they did and you have to give the nfl credit for being prepared for this i mean i don't think anybody is prepared to see what we saw last night but you have to give them credit in terms of the um equipment and all that was used and and how quickly they they got to the player so um, I, I was very impressed with how they handled the situation, but um, there is no, you know, there's no format for anything like that really outside of the preparation of what they had to do. And uh, it's just, just uh, heart wrenching to watch a, a player fall like that. And, and Corey will be able to tell you the same. I mean, that, that locker room and, and that field is a brotherhood. And when you see a player, you know, it, it's like a member of your family going down and, uh, to see that last night was was really heart wrenching, and not knowing, especially you know uh, that that did he make it? I mean, did he did he even make it? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it was a very very heart wrenching uh, situation. I thought,
7: Corey, your thoughts
1: on what you saw last night?
7: Yeah, I echo everything uh, Doctor Rick just said. I mean, I never uh, my nine years in the National Football League, of course, covering it. After that, you know, I haven't seen anything like that. We've seen uh, gruesome injuries. We've seen knees and broken legs and even spinal cord things like that, you know, and a guy, you know, even at that moment, uh, even if he loses consciousness for a little bit, they revive and he, you know, he goes off the field with a thumbs up or something, you know, and lets his teammates, he lets the fans know, let the people that are watching on TV know, hey, I'm good, I'll be okay. Uh, and players are able to resume. But last night was. You know, I sat with my wife and we were watching the game, and and when I saw the young man get up and then just like collapse, I'm like, this is not concussion because I, you know, I looked at the hit. I'm like, this is not a concussion. This is something totally different. This is this isn't good. Um, and of course, uh, as Rick said, the the response was tremendous. Uh, these guys are trained. Everything every year they're trained for this type of stuff: cardiac arrest, uh, you know, uh, you know, high, hypertension, anything like that. Trauma. They are trained and ready to go. Both sides. Uh, the hospital was close by. I heard about two miles, so he was able to get to a place that could offer excellent care. But but to say all that, man, I was devastated. I mean, you just sit there because you don't know. You know, is he okay? Is this guy gonna make it? Uh, you know, to be worked on CPR and defibrillator and all this stuff for that long, and and drive off an ambulance, and then you know you know nothing. So. Uh, it bothered us. Imagine if we were on that field, Rick, and we've seen you, mm-hmm. know, you know punching on his chest and uh, being shocked. I mean, you know, as you said, at that moment he's he's gone, and, and so yeah. that's why you saw the facial expression? We're a human, man. We're we're gladiators. We 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 fight, we battle, we hit, we attack. All these things, man. And there's a level of toughness, but life is life. You got one life to live that God blesses us with, and uh, and it's precious every single day. And just to think that quick, you know, we always talk about it, right? We always say one play, you know, your career could be over. But think about what mm-hmm. we just witnessed. We never think to these terms, one play and your life could be over. But but it, it's a violent sport, man, and, and uh, I'm just praying so much. I've been praying all day for this young man and his mother who was there having to watch that. I, I mean, it's not about football anymore to me. It's about this young man's life and, and his family, and I'm praying that God will, will bring him through this.
1: Rick Sanford, Corey Miller with us here on Sports Talk. Rick, the entire sports world in this country, I feel, came to a stop last night when this happened. Maybe even you could say worldwide, but certainly in the United States. It's been the only thing people have talked about all day long. And, I mean, I guess if it happened in some other sport as well, it, it, it may, maybe you'd have the same impact. But uh, I, the NFL being what it is, to see how the whole sports world came to a stop over this situation, what does it say to you about what football players, how they're looked at in this country and and how they are, especially the NFL level, how they are revered for what they do, for exactly what Corey said, knowing that you're out there smashing heads and smashing bodies and, and things bad can happen, yet we watch and we can't get enough of it.
6: Yeah, Phil, it's – in some ways it's encouraging and in other ways it's disheartening, you know, because I I will say this, the game is played out in space so much more than when Corey and I played. I mean, it was – you know, at at the time that we played, they were – uh, people were complaining. They were saying, "Well, they need to open the game up because you know these guys. They, there's not enough. There's not enough scoring. There's not enough this, and there's not enough that. There's not enough points scored." Well, there's no problem with that anymore because <laughs> they don't let defensive. Well, they don't let defensive guys touch anybody anymore. But but honestly, I I, I think that what's happened, Phil, is that these players nowadays are getting bigger. They're getting stronger, sure. and the game is played so much out in space that you're going to see more and more of these type violent collisions in the middle of the field because that's the defensive backs. I mean, you you know, you're coming from 10 yards up to hit a guy now. Um, and, and, and you know, you just didn't see a lot of that on a, on a consistent basis like you see right now. So I don't know. I think there's got to be some type of rule changes, and the rule changes need to be in favor of the defense. For God's sake! I mean, you know, you look at even these championship games in college. How in the world do you give up, you know, forty-five points? And I mean, you score forty-five points and lose. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, there, there's just no. There's got to be some changes, and there's got to be some changes uh, to to basically slow the scoring and 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 make it more of a a, a, a defensive game because I think the injuries are going to continue to rise. And I know this was a freak situation. This was a totally freak situation, and I understand that. But the injuries are going to become worse and worse, uh, in my opinion, if they allow this game to be played so much out in space like they're doing now.
1: Mm. Corey, I mean, we don't know for 100% certainty that the hit caused it. That seems to be what everybody thinks is the case. I guess eventually the doctors, hopefully once he's up and, uh, and, and running again, um, the doctors will be able to say exactly what caused it. Who knows? Maybe he had some kind of condition that uh, nobody uh, knew about. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, going back to what Rick said, do you think this will lead to um, any kind of changes in protective gear? I mean, I find it amazing in the NFL – as physical and as hard hitting as it is, and concussions being such a, a concern, for example, you're not required to wear a, to put in a mouthpiece. I don't believe they don't require you to do that. Some some right. use them, some don't. I would think that would be a a requirement. Maybe they need to pad up some more. I mean, I look at these guys; they have hardly anything on. the The, the pads are so small. Yep. They, the 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 pants are up above the knees, and I don't know. I, or maybe the stuff they're wearing, because they are so small, but technologically they're advanced. They still give you a high level of protection. Do they need? Is it is it safe enough with what they've got going right now? I don't want to have a knee jerk reaction here over this, but do you think something more needs to be done?
7: Yes. Uh, one of the rules that I would implement, Phil, is the, you, know, you notice offensive players, especially running backs. You know, when they get the ball and they're getting ready to and counter contact. One of the things that they do is they lower the head. And they lead with the crown of their helmets. Nothing is called in that situation, right? But we focus so much on, you know, defensive players targeting hitting you know, offensive players in the head. But think about what running backs do. Think about last night D. Higgins caught the ball. It's not his fault, but he did lower his shoulder and head and and and, and that's where that big blow came, right in his chest. So I think that needs to be looked at for one. Number two Yes, you could put some kind of extra pad now that we see that this could be a problem. Now, it's very, very rare, as you alluded to, but it, it, it's dev- it can be devastating, right, if, if that does happen. And, and and here's what I say to the players, and this has been going on for a long time. We used, and Tate, we used to get fined for even, you know, having our socks pulled down. Hmm. I mean, you know, they had the sock police out there, hmm. you get a fine if your socks are not pulled down. Well, now uh, these guys, uh, they want to be so cute. You know, they don't wear the thigh pads. They don't wear the knee pads. You know, they, they don't wear the stuff at the mouthpiece that protects them. You know, and then you get a thigh bruise in the game. Well, look, at you have no thigh pads there. But you get the, the foam off of it, and you've got the little plastic there. I mean, because they feel like I get it. You feel like you faster, quicker. You feel like I want to be as light as I can, like a track guy, a sprinter. He wants to be almost butt naked out there running track. Cause you know what I mean? And you think about the other arm of the combine. They are here in tights. and well, You're not playing football in those tights where everybody can see all your parts. I mean, be talking them in the uniform. You want to see how fast they are? Put the pads and the helmet on them and test them in the 40, because that's the true speed. Mm. My point is, yes, something needs to be done, man. And, and uh, you know, this has been an issue, and and, and I heard somebody talk about this today, even from years past. I mean, look at – I'm 54 years old, man, and I'm beat up. I mean, I hurt every day. It hurts to get out of bed. It hurts to walk. I got knees. I got ankles. I got a neck, my lower back. I mean, you pay a price, and we sign up for this, and I would do it a freaking game, mm. because I love the game that much. Well, at the same time, the NFL needs to do something knowing the ramifications of these athletes years down the road. Because they don't see it right away. But, man, when you get our age, you pay a price for it. So hopefully they'll do better in all of those areas and take care of these athletes and these players like myself and Rick.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Recapping the horrific injury last night to uh, Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlin with Rick Sanford and uh, Corey Miller. And, uh, Corey, I wanted to dovetail off what you just said because I was going to ask both of you guys, and please take it in the spirit in which it's intended, why do you do what you did? And secondly, Corey, as a, a father of a football player, had you seen last night, say 10 years ago, would you have tried to discourage Christian from playing football?
7: We talked about that today. You know, he has a radio show down in Birmingham and Tuscaloosa, and, and he asked me that question. You know, I would play, man, because you know my situation may be different than Rick. This is my way out. I wasn't going to be a doctor. I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I wasn't that smart, man. God gave me a gift with anything with a ball. I could play it, baseball, basketball, football. And I, I, I gained a passion. I loved it. And, and for me, it was like I, I, I got to make it to help my family. My family had no education. You know, this is the way these guys, they get there. It's not. It's not just about them. It's about the village. It's about the family, and, and give you, give them a better life. Give your children. I, I gave my kids a, a wonderful life that I didn't have, and and so because of, yeah, I hurt. Yeah, I, I, you know, I complain sometimes, but I'd do it again if that was the case. And so, you know, when Christian came along, I, I, I was excited for him to play. If that's what he wanted to do, I wasn't going to make him play. I wasn't going to be overbearing. But I was like, hey, if this is this what you want? I got you. But I was telling them guys today, man, I would be so nervous every game. I I walk and I pray. I walk and I pray, mm-hmm. man, that, mm-hmm. for protection because I know how violent this sport is. But, yes, I I had to do it. I had no other way, man. Uh, the only way I would get to school is through football. My um, parents couldn't afford for me to go to school. So, in my situation, I felt like that's the only choice I had, man. And, and God blessed me and kept me. No major surgeries, no nothing but still just a beat-up
2: body. Rick, what drew you to football? Well, I mean, I love
6: the game. I, I mean, I love to watch the game today. I think if I would have had a, a, a child, and I certainly understand where uh, what, exactly what Corey's talking about, I, I think I would have set my child down, and I'm sure Corey did this with Christian. Yeah. I would have set... I, I had two girls, so I didn't have to worry about too much about, <laughs> two
8: guys,
6: about, about them playing football, but had I had a, a, a young man, I believe I would have sat him down and said, look, you don't have to do what your father did, okay? You you just have to do what makes you happy, but I need to make you aware of what you're about ready to embark upon. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I would have had that conversation, and then, you know, if if they want to play on their own, I mean, there's not much you can do about it because i tell you what, once you play football, there's nothing like the experience of, of being in a locker room or being on a field. <laughs> And it, there's nothing like the preparation involved in, in, in succeeding, I guess. Is, is, and you know what? And I've always said this. People always ask me, said, oh, you must have had some great experience. And I said, yeah, you know what? And I had some terrible experiences. I had a lot of losses. And you know what? I, and those losses actually made me more of a better person than all those wins did. And so I think, I think you learn a lot about life and football that, that other things and other sports can't teach you. And I, and I think it's just because of the physicality of the game. And I think, it, it, you know, it makes you tougher in life. And I, and I yeah. do believe that, that, that has, um, has been, you know, a, a fortunate thing for me. Now I'm like Corey, I mean, I'm beat up. I'm, I'm hurt. Um, you know, yeah, we understand that. And, um, you know, we don't have to like that, but that is that is the – and I would I would tell my child the same thing. You know, if you're going to play football, you be prepared to hurt when you're about 50 years old because I promise you, you're going to feel good in your 20s and 30s and even into your 40s. Yep. But when you get 50 years old, uh, yep. life changes. It just does. It changes. It just changes. <laughs> it, it, yes, it definitely changes, and
7: it's going to be different for you. Let me add this real quick to piggyback. Like my son, I had that conversation with Christian – and you know, he's a second-generation NFL player. But, he, you know, he got three years invested, uh, set out that COVID year, but it's still counting. He says his biggest issues is like that, I, I've had so many injuries, I've been beat up, you know, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And he said, this verbatim, he says, I see you, Dad. He said, I see you hurting and hardly getting out of the car sometimes or getting up off a couch. I see the grimace and the pain. And he said, you know, I got my master's. Uh, you know, I made good money the first three years. He bought himself a house. He's ahead of the game and He said I just I'm not sure that I, I love this game that much to the point that I, I want to uh, go through what you're going through And so that's that's basically what what's happening with him right now And I can applaud that you know 10 20 years ago I might have said I've been pushing it because I'm looking at the money the bag as they say <laughs> but today I'm saying man, you your health is all you freaking got. It's the most important thing you got and I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. You can, you're smart enough, you're going to do well in life, period.
1: I want to thank both you guys for being with us. Uh, it's I know it's a, it's a difficult uh, subject for football players to talk about when you see what happened last night. And we really appreciate you all sharing some great time with us, and we wish you a happy new year and a healthy new year and those uh, little aches and pains, uh, you know, being gay and <laughs> – um okay. my, being gay is good and uh maybe a goodies powder or twos you know take those uh every couple of days you'll that'll help you but well, really we we well, wish you the best well, smoke
7: some of that Aaron Rodgers I'm going to get the triple Aaron Rodgers he's doing pretty good tell he's you good. what man and get, you, get your, get your well. hair cut like
1: that pastor you'll be doing just fine yeah. hey
6: uh, hey, hey, hey let problem. me tell you Phil yeah Phil Phil, let me add one other thing, okay? I, I think if you're a football player, you better believe this, okay? If you're fortunate enough to get out of football without any surgeries, okay? Mm. If you can, if, if somehow or another, if you're ever fortunate enough to do that, when you hit about 50 to 60 years old, since I've been out of football now,
1: 14 surgeries
6: okay so it it all stemmed from football oh but
1: dr rick i hate to say it i mean to look at you 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 still look like an adonis out there i mean your
6: well your body fat's about you're you're like two
1: percent or something what do you got yeah
6: well looks are deceiving (laughs) phil
1: hey thank you guys again and uh, hopefully next time we talk to you guys under better circumstances and uh, we talk some some good things about football, but thank you so much, Corey. Take care, Rick. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you. talk to you guys again.
7: Yes, sir. Yes,
1: sir. thanks, thank you guys.
7: Rick, take care, buddy. Good to hear from you, Rick. Yes, sir. You too, Corey.
1: All right, there you go. Fantastic Rick Sanford, stuff. Corey Miller, uh, two former Gamecock stars, two standouts in the NFL, and uh, I just thought what they had to say would be uh, would be entertaining, informative, mm-hmm. and enlightening, and you know it is. um, and, and again, uh, you salute, I salute any football player, no matter what mm-hmm. level they are playing, um, and no matter what kind of contribution they make. Because, I mean, just to get a uniform, you have to go through a lot of work. You have to go through all the, the round the year training and the weightlifting and the conditioning and all that. And there's so many, I mean, I think there are, I agree with them, there's so many great things about football, and, they, and it does so many wonderful things for people. But there's always, you know, I guess you call it the dark side, right? That people don't really – once you watch the game and you get back in your car, you go to your tailgate, you don't see the dark side of it, and that yeah. is what those guys kind of go through in the days and weeks after
2: a, a football game. And, Phil, I love Corey's take on why he played football. I would never heard him break that down. I'm not sure I've heard many football players break it down to that bare minimum. That's how I got out. That's how I could provide ultimately for my family and give my son, Kristen, the opportunity to have a much better life than I had because my family wasn't wealthy enough to send me to college. So this was an opportunity for me, and through football, look what Corey Miller has been able to do in terms of playing and, and certainly changing lives. Same thing with Rick Stanford. But I thought his uh, comments about Kristen Miller, uh, his son, were just as interesting. Mm-hmm. I would have, you know, I would have supported him either way. As a parent, though, I sit there and pray every time I watch him take the field, and it sounds like to me he's almost uh, he'd be just as happy, if not happier, if Christian decides, you know, I'm going to go another route. I don't need to play football anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, I think he has. I think he's given it up now and gone yeah. on to, uh, like he says, doing a radio show down, down in Alabama. In fact, uh, Corey and Christian, I believe, are teaming up on a new podcast. So if you go to Corey's uh, Twitter, uh, Pastor of Pain, is it at Pastor of Pain? I didn't want to call him pastor of pain tonight, considering (laughs) the topic, you know, passed on the
2: pain part. Um, But anyway, uh, you know, let's face it. I feel bad for Christian, though. I've never met Christian. Yeah. But if he can't talk like his father does and fill up airtime, he's never going to get a word in edgewise. Oh, my gosh.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) But you know, as well as I do, that football is going to be on trial here over the next who knows how how long. Um, And... This comes up, of course, anytime there's a serious case like this, um, and and you know people take shots at the game, and um, you have to rethink some things. And I, I do believe we could do more from a protective standpoint at all levels. Now I see these, I see the padding getting less and less, um, and 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 the the contact and the speed at which the game is played is faster, and the contact is harder. To me, that. That is the opposite of what you should be doing. It should be more padding, more protective uh, devices on a football player, not less. Um, maybe I'm missing the point of the of, of the way the game is played now.
2: Remember back in the '90s when basketball shorts got so long that they were actually below the kneecap mm-hmm. and hanging down to almost the uh, you know calf muscles. Those shorts back then were longer than what football players are wearing with their uh, football pants now.
1: Yes, it's ridiculous. I mean,
2: <laughs> I seriously, mean, really the college
1: is. players. I'm looking through my binocs, you know, watching a game, and it's like they're in shorts out there. Yeah, exactly. It's, and and you know, you're playing on different surfaces. Sometimes you're on grass. Sometimes you're on frozen grass. Sometimes you're on the artificial surface. It's they've made that better. But it, imagine these guys. You know, Rick and Corey. Those guys used to play on cement. They played at Williams Bryce. Rick played at Williams Bryce when it was artificial. And I think Corey did, too, maybe. I mean, they just might as well have been playing out on I-95.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: there I go again, picking on I-95. williams
2: Price though, was six lanes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888 898 Two five two five. That's 888 Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, coming up in just a moment,
1: Chalk Talk with Chuck Reedy and uh, Ellis Johnson here on Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel. Pat and I are at the Dave & Buster's studios here in uh, downtown Columbia. We remind you to get to Dave & Buster's Any time to watch uh, some form of sports taking place, whether it be uh, college basketball, the NBA, an NFL game, maybe the national championship football game next Monday, Dave and Busters in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach, eat, drink, and play and catch all the big games all season long. A couple of other notes to uh, pass along on this Tuesday night. Our poll question, Clemson suffering that loss to Tennessee, and uh, the Tigers have missed the CFP the last two seasons. They still won 11 and the ACC championship. Do you still consider Clemson a nationally elite program? 1,083 votes are in. 66.8% say no. And 33.2% say yes. Okay. It's on our uh, Twitter page if you want to vote there on our Twitter at Sports Talk SC. And uh, what else we wanted to mention to you, um, the uh, NCAA's transformation committee's final report recommends an expansion of championship tournaments to incorporate 25% of teams. That means the basketball <laughs> tournament would expand to over 90 teams or right around 90 yeah. teams. Um, there's still, still still more work to be done on that, but it sounds like it's heading in that direction.
2: Why do they think they need to mess with the best postseason tournament in all of college sports? We have the worst regular season attached to the best postseason in college basketball. We have the best regular season attached to once it continues to expand what will ultimately be the worst postseason in college sports. So where is expansion helping either one of these sports? Yeah. Please tell me.
1: Your guess is as good as mine. One last thing. Each team – let me back this up. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State uh, in the CFP this past weekend – the Big Ten will make $12 million from those two. The SEC and Big 12 will get $6 million each for Georgia and TCU, respectively. And each team in a non-playoff bowl under the CFP gets $4 million. And if a school's team meets the academic progress rate for participation in a postseason football game, both the conference and the team will receive an additional $300,000. That's from front office sports. Okay, we welcome in another edition, last edition of Chalk Talk here on Sports Talk for this football season. To look back at the uh, USC and Clemson Bowl games from the end of last week, we welcome in once again two of the greatest minds to ever walk a sideline. Chuck Reedy and Ellis Johnson, Uh, great to have you two with us. Obviously, we can't get into anything without touching on last night. We just had Rick Sanford and Corey Miller with us. I know you guys are probably watching. Uh, if not, you've uh, read about it and seen the video and all that. Chuck, um, uh, you know, football, of course, when something like this happens, there's a lot of things being flung at football in general. Uh, what were you thinking last night? What do you think today after what you saw last night?
9: Well, I mean, obviously it's a, you know, a tragic, Situation, and we're all, you know, hopeful and prayerful that you know that that uh, he'll come out of this and 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 be be good again. But you know, I, I don't. It's not. I don't see it as a reflection on football. Um, you know, I, I. You know, people. Um, you know, have heart attacks or or whatever with their heart all the time. Um, whether the football, there was a, you know, he got hit and that caused it. You know, I don't think anybody knows that at this point. So, you know, I don't see it as a reflection on football. I think I see it just as a tragic situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellis, uh, what would you take away? Uh, what were your reactions as you saw what happened there last night?
3: I totally agree with what Chuck said to, to a large degree. <clears throat> Obvious tragedy. You don't ever want to see that. I almost look at pro football, even college football now, out, the collisions, the speed. And I'm thinking, it's amazing this has not happened more frequently. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you something. When I first moved to Auburn, I'm going around looking at the houses with a realtor. She rides by a home, not that we were looking at, just there was some, a family pulling in the driveway, and she said it's a tragic situation the other day. This family had a 10-year-old kid, and he and his buddy were out in the backyard throwing baseball. One of them got hit in the chest stopped his heart. I assume it must be almost similar to this. And the other little kid, of course, was not capable of helping. Couldn't get help there quick enough. And Mm -hmm. either the child passed away or he was severely handicapped the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. This is not common, but this doesn't happen on football fields. It happens a lot of places. And I I, I just don't – I'm so worried about this guy, and I hope he's going to be okay. But, I mean, we don't need to over-dramatize this football this happens in a lot of different situations
1: I would agree I would agree especially baseball I've heard of you know kids young men you know taking a baseball to the chest and and suffering something like that so you are you are exactly right well let's talk about uh, South Carolina Clemson Bowl games guys uh, from this past Friday Uh, both losses uh, South Carolina was right there in it with Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson was uh, in a tight one with Tennessee, and, uh, and Tennessee eventually put them away. Let's start there. Chuck, um, Tigers had their chances. Uh, only one touchdown in the game for them. They had like eight other opportunities to to score points, to score touchdowns, and um, you know couldn't get it done. What did you see from Clemson? What do you think the Tigers take away from that loss to Tennessee?
9: Well, uh, the thing—it's very, very hard to to drive the ball, um, you know, uh, the length of the field or, or 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 whatever. And 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 you know, when when you get up past eight or nine uh, snaps on a on a drive, it becomes increasingly difficult. What Clemson doesn't have haven't haven't had it all year, didn't have last year. They don't have. Uh, really a guy that can stretch the field. They don't get any, any easy touchdowns. Uh, uh, you know, Tennessee, you know, that's what they can do. They can score quick. You know, if you watched Ohio State and you know, all the teams that played on, on Saturday, those people can, can score quick. Hmm. You know, Clemson doesn't – they haven't shown that ability. They don't have that, that receiver that really strikes fear, um, you know, in, in people. And so, you know, when you're having to, you know, and they got down, they got, you know, on the plus side, like you said, I guess eight times. <clears throat> but the closer you get to the goal line, the, the tougher it gets and the harder it gets. And, you know, they just didn't
1: have guys that could make plays. What do you think of the play of the quarterback?
9: Oh, I, I thought, you know, I thought he played well, you know, for, you know, obviously his first game as a starter. You know, the guy has a lot of ability. Um, you know, he, he can, you know, he's, he's, um, you know he can make plays with his feet. Um, you know, obviously he, you know, he made some critical mistakes. Um, you know, didn't you know, didn't get rid of the ball sometimes when he when he probably should have. Um, and obviously, right before the half, that was a you know that that was something that you know you can't do. Um, but you know, I think for his first game, played very well. Certainly an upgrade. An upgrade from, from what they had the rest, you know, or throughout the course of the year, I think.
1: Really? You, you think, uh, Klubnik, uh, big improvement over Uyongale?
9: Yeah, I do. I think so. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you just, you know, <laughs> I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely think so, even though they didn't score a lot of points.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ellis, what about, uh, Defensively for Clemson, um, I mean, the statistical battle the Tigers won, they ran 101 plays on offense, but Milton has an incredible arm, and they were able to hit some deep balls on the Tigers defensively. And uh, what did you see about what they were doing defensively against Tennessee?
3: Yeah, I thought that uh, – I thought the defense was decent, especially when you look at some of the other bowl games, you know, with the top teams in the country. So many games are having over 1,000 yards off so it wasn't terrible, but I do think, you know, you give up 480 yards and you don't get a takeaway. And and I feel like they probably didn't play as well as they needed to play. Uh, you know, Clemson's offense all year long has been good, but it ain't been great. And uh, I think statistically, if the end the year, they don't look as bad anymore, worse than that defense. But I think the defense, they were counting on them to carry the football team. I thought I was a little bit shy of that. Uh, Not a terrible performance. I would be honest with you. I hate to jump on the other side. But Milton, you know, the quarterback, I thought he was really, really good. I mean, he didn't turn the football over. I don't think he had gaudy stats, but he had very good stats. Mm -hmm. And he didn't turn the football over. And, you know, if you look at all the other quarterbacks that had to come in and play with lost quarterbacks, they all turned the football over. Notre Dame, Clemson, uh, all of them had had problems, you know, making the – bad decisions that
1: put their team in it. Chuck, one more thought on the Clemson offense and you know, play calling. I mean, they ended up throwing the ball over 50 times. In the first half, Shipley had three carries and two receptions, I believe. He had five touches in the first half. Obviously, they came out in the second half and got the ball to him. But how does that happen as a play caller? Um, is that by design, you think? Or do, do sometimes you just forget about a guy as you're, as you're calling a game?
9: I don't know how you can forget about the best player on your team, on your offensive football team. No, I, I don't know. And, and, and like you said, I, I certainly wouldn't have gone into the game and, and with the idea we were going to you know, put the ball in, in, a, in a freshman quarterback first game as a start, put it in his hands to win the game. And that's what they did. I think, you know, like you said, threw 54 times. They're not going to win any games throwing the ball 54 times. I can tell you that right now because they're not, they're, they're not made for that. So, I I mean, and if they do that, you know, they won't win any games against good teams. But, you know, and then he, I don't know how many times, I think he carried the ball a bunch of times, too. I think he had 70 some touches, a yeah. quarterback did, uh, where he either threw it or carried, uh, carried it. You know, no, I, I don't know. I don't understand, you know, and, and it seems like always after the game, they're saying, oh, we should have got the ball to Shipley more. Well, <laughs> let's. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you say that during the game? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't mean to be critical, but it seems like it's always after the fact, well, you know, we didn't get the ball to Shipley enough. Well, I, I don't understand it either. Chuck
2: mm-hmm. talk, talk tonight here on Sports Talk with Chuck Reedy and also Ellis Johnson. Let's turn over to the Gamecocks and their loss at the Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville. And Ellis, when you were coaching, if your defensive unit went out and scored twice in a ball game, I would think as a coach you felt pretty good about your team's chances to win. Have you ever seen a squad that did not win when they were able to produce two touchdowns off of defense and also one off special teams?
3: Well, when they gave up full, 560 <laughs> yards. <laughs> think, the two interceptions. But it, it, I don't mean that in a negative way. That's just kind of – I guess they did what they could do that night. The quarterback from Notre Dame tried to give them a the football game several times. But – but they were able to recover and kind of sustain things. But obviously they didn't play a great defensive game, but those two touchdowns were obviously huge and and really good plays. But it was, like I said, a lot of people were breaking in quarterbacks in these bowl games, and it looked like to me that Milton from Tennessee was the only one that was really good. Uh, The kid from Notre Dame ended up hanging in there and making some plays for them to win, but he was trying to give the ball game away. Uh, the other thing I thought is that you know again they gave up 265 yards rushing. That's kind of been the Achilles heel all year. Uh, so it was kind of a two different you know two different things. You know some of you know the scores. Then they got one touchdown off of a fake punt. So when you look at it, South Carolina's offense scored 17 points.
8: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so I, I you know I just think the defense did the best they could and did what they could do, and those two touchdowns were huge. But they weren't enough to, to beat Notre Dame when you give up those kind of yards and that kind of possession.
2: And, Chuck, with regards to uh, Carolina's offense, we were kicking this around last night and never were able to come up with an answer. But if you were coaching there right now, how do they address the run game, which was absent against Notre Dame and has been sporadic at best throughout the past couple of seasons? Where, where would you go to fix that, realizing that probably your best running back was not available since Marshawn Lloyd is transferring out of the program?
9: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was a really a blow. I mean, I I don't understand that. I don't know where he's going to go to get a, have a better opportunity. But um, you know, they've got to they've got to they've got to get out and find one, and whether it be in the portal or or, or junior college somewhere, there, there's got to be a running back out there that wants to come in and 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 be a featured back. And uh, you know, and and they've got they they need to go find him wherever he is and do whatever they got to do to get him because. Um, you know, if they don't get where they can run the football, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have a hard time, uh, you know, being, being an elite football team.
1: Final moments here with uh, Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson. So just to, to wrap up this 22 season, Chuck, uh, for the Gamecocks and the Tigers, uh, just, just sum up your thoughts on each in terms of um, you know, what the Gamecocks did and, and where you think they're heading. Coming out of the 22 season, going to 23. You know, obviously a lot depends on what Rattler does, but d- you know, despite that, what did you what did you think of their season, and where do you think they're headed?
9: Well, uh, you know, I, I certainly think you know winning eight games in the regular season, you know, was better than what most people would have thought. Certainly better than what I thought. Um, you know, so I think they took another step forward. Um, it looks like they're you know they're doing a better job recruiting. They're still not. You know they're still not recruiting at the same level as the Alabamas, the Georgias, whatever. Um, you know, but it was a step forward, and you know, and I, I think there are you know there are good times ahead for them. Clemson. Um, you know, it, 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 it was an, it's another year. You know, as you know, you stated at the beginning of the show. You know, they won eleven games. You know they they won the conference championship in in a very weak conference, and that's just the way it is. Mm. But the conference is getting better. I think Florida State is definitely, you know, they're definitely getting better. I think Miami, you know, the way that they're recruiting, if they can coach, you know, they're they're going to get better. Um, so you know, uh, Clemson, you know, they they just they're right there, and I think they're still you know an elite program. But you know they, they need you know they they need they need something, they need a spark. They need something. They they just look kind of static to me, from an offensive standpoint. And I've talked about this before. You know, don't need to get into it. Mm. But they need you know they need to really reevaluate what they're doing offensively and and um, you know and and see what they can do to you know to
3: change things a little bit. I think.
1: All right, Ellis, your thoughts on what the Gamecocks did and where they're headed.
3: Well, I think once again, Shane Beamer took an average football team that was struggling early in the year, could have tanked and gone into, you know, into submission, if you will, and, and he got them going. And those kids played hard. And even with all the people they had out, I know Notre Dame had four tremendous impact players out too. But South Carolina had a bunch of key players out. They went down and played hard. I just think the way they come to play every week is a positive sign. On the other hand, I think their recruiting is, is, is good. But they're not recruiting on the level that the people they got to beat right now on a consistent level. Uh, so they got a tremendous amount of needs. The guy was telling me today the 11 or 12 people that didn't play. And I said, well, can they fill those things in recruiting? Can you fix it in one year? I don't know. Yeah. So And then the other thing, Clemson, of course, you got to look at the expectations of the two different programs. If Carolina can win eight games, everybody's happy. If Clemson wins eight games, they want to. They want to fire everybody. <laughs> so, you know, they've got more expectations. But I agree with Chuck. It's sort of hit a little bit of a neutral period right now. And the thing that I think is missing, uh, I really feel like they've, they've got to grow up a little bit in the secondary. Hopefully they will. I know they're pretty young back there this year. And the other thing is I haven't seen a premier running back. Now, Ship, I love that kid. I love him. But he can't take it the distance like some of those other guys. And I think that's the offensive scheme is built for that. And they either got to get a little bit of a different velocity. I haven't seen a lead blocker in their backfield in two years, whether it's a tight end rover or whether it's a fullback or whatever else. And so they don't have scheme of offense that's complementing the style of backs that they recruit. It just looks like to me they're, they're a really good football team, good roster, but they don't it just not don't they don't know who they are right. And, again, I predicate all that with expectations. Clemson won 11. They ain't excited right now. Carolina won eight. And they think they're going to beat the Super Bowl next
1: year. Hmm. This is true. (laughs) Gentlemen, we thank you so much. Happy New Year. And rest up. Get ready for 2023. We'll be back at you come August and and see how things uh, turn out in uh, this upcoming football season. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you guys as always, Chuck. Thank you and Ellis. Thank you. Thank you, George. Happy New Year. Thanks, fellas. Happy thank New Year you you to you guys. Take care. And Chuck will be down there to. Uh, do, we're going to broadcast from your place down there if he's still with us. Going to broadcast from your place down there pretty soon. Yeah. Just let me know. Yep. I'll, I'm going to hit you yeah, up right, here real thank soon. You. Yep. Can we all go? Absolutely. That you. No, they, okay. everybody can go. Yeah, we'll feed you. You have to pay for it. You know, Chuck doesn't, you know, he doesn't put it on a tab or anything. You have to pay for it. Man's trying to make a dollar. So,
2: um, well, it's probably understandable since we don't pay him. So, that's, right. that's fair The Comeback Shack,
1: folks. The Comeback Shack, two locations in Charleston. Get down there and enjoy it. All right, let's squeeze you know, in our break if we can. Is he, yeah, there's is one, yeah they start, in Boone? started in Boone. Started in yep. Boone. Yep, yep. They're very, very good. Very good.
2: I may swing by there. I'm headed up there tomorrow.
1: Well, you should. Absolutely. All right, we do have to hit the break. As we go to the break, South Carolina Vanderbilt are playing. The Gamecocks had the early lead, but Vandy's come back to tie it. At the under-eight timeout, it's 22-22. And the Gamecocks are being led by Carter, Chico Carter. He's got eight, and we'll be back. <laughs> Hi, this is Phil Kornblut of Sports Talk here with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. What words of wisdom do you have for those hitting the water this summer? Phil, collisions can be prevented easily if every vessel operator fulfills three major
6: responsibilities. One, practice good seamanship. It's the responsibility of every boat or PwC operator to take all necessary action to avoid a collision. Two, keep a proper lookout. Failing to keep a sharp lookout is the most common cause of boating collisions. And finally, maintain a safe speed. Remember, boat safe, boat smart.
0: Hey!
1: really appreciate our guests for being with us tonight. Rick Sanford, Corey Miller, Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson, and for being guests of Sports Talk. They all receive a timeless Timex uh, wristwatch
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> or, or something like that.
2: <laughs> that used to be all the rage. That's right. You know, that's what Everybody had to have a
1: Timex oh, yeah. back in the day. All right, so South Carolina Vanderbilt, twenty-two uh, twenty-two. And the Gamecocks got off to a red hot start. They're like 85% from the floor. Of course, they cooled off one of their last eight. So they're at 41%. Vandy's at 42%. Gamecocks are 4 of 10 from distance. Vandy is 4 of 7. USC has not attempted a free throw. Vandy is 2 of 3. Rebounding is pretty even. And turnover is pretty even 4 to 3. Vandy there. And uh, Vandy's got some balanced scoring. Their leading scorer has got 5. For the Gamecocks, uh, Chico Carter Jr., he's got eight, including a couple of three-pointers. G.G. Jackson has uh, six points and three rebounds for the Gamecocks. So it's 22-22, 6.52 to go in the opening half. Check some other scores. Tennessee, who comes to Columbia this uh, Saturday, uh, is playing Mississippi State.
2: Well, Tennessee's playing I think oh, it was eighteen to nothing to start the game. Oh, was it really? <laughs> Let's see if I can get a
1: my score here, my page. There we go, twenty-four to eight, Tennessee or Mississippi <laughs> State. Wow, wow, they're they're tough. Louisville leads to Syracuse nineteen. Make that it's tied now, nineteen nineteen. South uh, Syracuse, Louisville, uh, Notre Dame twenty-one, Boston College seventeen. Uh, still to come tonight, LSU is playing at Kentucky. That should be fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, of course, last night the USC women picked up another win. They rallied. Uh, about midway through the third quarter, they went on a 9 0 run to take the lead in Georgia. Went on to win Zaya Cook, a career high 31 for the USC women. And we're back after the break. Don't go away. <laughs> Okay, we give you the recruiting report tonight right here on Sports Talk. Each and every night brought to you by Seawells. Hey, big day tomorrow. Should be a parade down Main Street in Columbia. The return of the daily luncheon buffet from holiday break. I know you've been dying for it. I know I have been. Make sure you get out there tomorrow between 11 and 2. Rosewood Drive in Columbia across from the Rocket at the State Fairgrounds. You see the Rocket? If the Rockets on your left, then Sea Wells is on your right. Then again, if the Rockets on your right, then Sea Wells is on your left. Make it simple parade, for you.
2: And I think the parade should actually start at williams Bryce Stadium, walk directly across the fairgrounds and end up inside C. Wells. <laughs> That's right. That would be an awesome parade.
1: It's a straight line. It's a straight yep. – and it's a smooth, leveled walk. There's no hills mm-hmm. to have to deal with, okay? And so get there for the luncheon buffet. You'll enjoy it. And, of course – if you have some catering needs coming up in 2023, make your plans now. Book them. Book them, Dano because if you don't book them, you might not uh, have space, you know? They uh, they they book up quickly, and they get busy. So make sure you book them as soon as you can, 803-771-7385. That's dot C-Wells, com. So – if you weren't with us last night, and many of you weren't, uh, recap some of the things from last night in recruiting, and then to give you a few other new items. So the Gamecocks are the favorite right now of transfer offensive tackle Sidney Fugar, 6'6", 330. He's from Western Illinois. He's a native of Waldorf, Maryland, and he and USC's Lonnie Teasley. They go back to when Teasley was at North Carolina Central. He's known him since then, so... He is going to take a visit this week to Cincinnati and then this weekend to USC. And the Gamecocks are the team to beat, from what he tells us, and looks good for them there. So we had some top prospects cut their list down. You had K.J. Bolden, safety out of Buford, Georgia, trim his list to 15. Clemson and USC are in that group. You had defensive tackle Heaven, brown shuler cut his list to 13 usc and clemson are in that group and you had defensive end king joseph edwards cut his list to 15 and usc is in that group clemson's not offered him so they're not in the 15 but usc is another player that clemson had offered cornerback charles lester the third he cut his list to five and clemson did not make that list Another transfer offensive lineman, USC offered, Marcellus Johnson, picked up offers from Colorado and Auburn, and other recent offers from Virginia, Oklahoma State, Illinois, Kansas, Wisconsin, and Missouri. 2024 Dillon offensive tackle Josiah Thompson tells us he's going to take a visit to Tennessee on the 14th, USC on the 21st, and Clemson on the 28th. And I'll tell you the Gamecocks right now with him, this is what he tells us. They are big favorites. On a scale of 1 to 10, he put it at a 10. Right now, South Carolina being number one on his list. You there? In good shape there. 2024 tight end Christian Bentonker, Woodstock, Illinois, has set January 13th, Friday the 13th, for his commitment announcement. He's down to Clemson, Oregon, Ohio State. Daniel wide receiver Eli Merck offered a PWO opportunity at Oklahoma. Former Coastal Carolina quarterback Bryce Archie transferring to USF. How good is he, Chris?
2: From what they tell me, and we only got to see him in in small portions, small sample size, he actually got in the Birmingham Bowl and uh, memory serves, scored a touchdown late. Mm -hmm. He's got a terrific arm. They they rave about his arm. So my guess is he was thinking he was going to be in the mix for the starting quarterback job next fall. When he saw Grayson McCall come back out of the transfer portal, he thought, well, maybe not. Yeah. And so that's probably that probably prompted him to transfer. Basketball. I don't know that to be the case, but that, that would be my guess.
1: Sure. Basketball, USC target, 6'2", Elijah Crawford, offered by Mississippi State. And USC is in the top 12 with 6'10", Ace Bailey of Powder Springs, Georgia. But the company is heavy, like, say, Kentucky, Auburn, Texas, Tennessee, Kansas – Memphis, Arkansas, Oregon, Georgia. So, I'd say it's highly unlikely the Gamecock lands this young man, but at least they're in the top 12. And, you know, coming close in recruiting is not necessarily a good thing, but it does get your name out there in some cases.
2: you got to be in the mix with those guys if you're Lamont Paris and you're going to turn that program around, though, Phil. It's much like Shane Beamer. you got to get some of those guys, though.
1: Yeah. But how do you get them? That's the question. Oh, that's a great question. How do you get a Cam Scott? You know, when the mm-hmm. when the competition is is so fierce. I mean, you're talking about. Now, I am surprised that in his final six, he did not include Duke and in North Carolina. That really surprised me. But he does have Kansas in there. He does have Texas. He does have Tennessee. Man, never uh, never never sell Rick Barnes short when it comes to recruiting guys in South Carolina. He's he's done an excellent job there. That'll do it for recruiting. Here on Sports Talk, brought to you by SeaWells. 31 30 USC now leading Vanderbilt. A buck 25 to go in the opening half. The Gamecocks were down to 37% shooting. The Carter's having a good night. Really, two guys are carrying the Gamecocks tonight. Carter has got 11. Jackson's got 10 and 5 thus far. Gigi Jackson had
10: a pretty monstrous put back dunk a moment <laughs> yes, ago too. I've, I've watched the replay at least a dozen times now. I recommend anybody out there check it out.
1: Hmm. Reminds you of one of mine?
10: Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. On That's that seven foot goal, goal as well. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> not even a seven foot goal. It had to be one of those indoor hanging on the back of your door wiffle ball type dunks you know. Also tonight and, I should mention you got Ole Miss playing at Alabama and you got Virginia playing at Pittsburgh. Uh, tomorrow night, College of Charleston plays at North Carolina A&T, among other games. Citadel and Furman play tomorrow night. And um, Upstate and Radford, Presbyterian and Winthrop play tomorrow night. Clemson plays tomorrow night at Virginia Tech. So, see, the Tigers, they win that game up in uh, Blacksburg, 9 o'clock game on ESPNU, to go to um, 4-0. Um, I'll be impressed then. I'll be impressed. I will as
2: well. And and that would be enough, I would think, um, depending on what they I, do. They play. I, I can't. I don't have their schedule in front of me. What they have in front of them, but that would be enough in my mind to finally get them into the polls. Well, I mean, let's at see. least get a vote. Yeah, they play they again. They on the Seventh uh,
10: on the seventh, they play at Pitt.
1: Yeah, let's let's see here. They got um, a little tough stretch here: Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh on the road, and that'll be tough. Both of those. Uh, Louisville, a 9 o'clock game at home next Wednesday. Looking forward to that. And then Duke at home, 5 o'clock on Saturday. So Mm. that's a tough stretch. Louisville's not having a real good year. That's obviously winnable at home. Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Duke will all be tough games. Win all of those and be, what, 7-0 and in the league, and
2: we'll think pretty highly of you. (laughs) Yeah, I would think so. So would the AP poll. By the way, back to Bryce Archie, I was incorrect. He actually scored the two-point conversion which then prompted East Carolina for some unknown reason. I still don't know why Mike Houston was thinking to score and go for two with about two minutes left to go up by 22, mm-hmm. which I thought was really classy. But, no, uh, Bryce Archie scored a two-point conversion in his limited time uh, at the Birmingham Bowl.
1: All right, uh, phone numbers. Uh, we haven't had a chance
10: to take uh, many calls. 888-898-2525. What you got, Pat? Just at some point was hoping we could bring up uh, the Panthers and the news that came out this afternoon that david tepper the owner has reportedly reached out to michigan head coach harbaugh Mm. and uh yeah curious to see that there had already been rumors that harbaugh had spoken with believe it was the broncos and it had been reported that the colts were possibly not going to be reaching out to him but remember as well as he's done in college he was the 2021 ap coach of the year in college he was the 2011 AP NFL Coach of the Year. He is he's the rare coach that has had success at both levels. He flirted last year with the Vikings and don't know if he was offered the job and turned it down or not. But obviously he did not take it. But now reports coming out of Charlotte that he at least has spoken with David Tepper about becoming the next coach in Charlotte. And the timing here would be awfully coincidental. As back in San Fran, his longtime defensive coordinator Vic Fangio was out of the league this season after being fired as Denver's head coach last year, and his former offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, has been widely rumored to be letting being being let go as his position with the Ravens. Mm. So he could bring the whole band back together. But Steve Wilk, Steve Wilk, excuse me, has done one heck of a job exactly. up in Charlotte. He's a Charlotte native. He was five and six as the interim coach this year with one more game to go. He may finish up as five hundred with a team that started off the season as just a dumpster fire. Just had to at least get that out there. And, and without a, his best player and
2: no quarterback to speak of. That's right. I mean, <laughs> well, I think Sam Darnold has really started playing better. He, he has played better. You yeah. Know. Well, if you compare it to Baker Mayfield, sure he has. Yeah, right.
1: But then Mayfield <laughs> goes to the Rams and he one, had one good game. Uh, Harbaugh, of course, a year ago in February, signed a new contract with Michigan five years through the 2026 season and that new contract in terms of um what he's going to get paid let's see here um
10: it only has a five million dollar buyout read earlier so his buyout mm. for him to leave if he were to accept another job would actually be pretty manageable and i would not see david tepper blinking at that what's five million dollars right. this
1: guy i mean this is a guy who you know he didn't mind just blowing up how much money was he going to spend on that place in rock hill like 200 million dollars or something
10: or that and i still love i love sharing this story anytime we get the opportunity this is also the guy back in his hedge fund days who famously bought his ex-boss who he felt like overlooked him for a promotion uh he bought his hampton's mansion for 47 and a half million dollars under a fake name only to then tear it down and <laughs> reportedly do something to the ashes that I can't say on air and send the photo to him. I can top to say, that
2: house story. Yeah, he's
1: a classic. Guy. I, I can top that house story with this house story. <clears throat> talking about something like that a little different. You ever been to uh, the Keys? You ever been to uh, Key West? Oh, you ever yeah, been to Key place. West? You ever been to what's called the southernmost house? I don't think so. Okay, well, you know where Key West is located, right? It's like The southernmost part of the United States Mm -hmm. Okay So there's a house there That was built Called the southernmost house In other words It's the house that is southernmost In the United States Where it's built in Key West Well there was some kind of fallout In the family And so whoever Got mad and moved out of the house Built a house a, A few feet further south than that house. And now it's the southernmost, southernmost house in the United States. <laughs> and well, that's true. Later that's a true It's, it's estate, the southernmost, right? <laughs> southernmost house in the United States. The they one time I went to South. Key West, the one time I went to Key West you know, on a little tour, they take you by that. They tell you the story. This was the southernmost house, but then they built this one, and they call it the southernmost, southernmost house. So anyway. Wow. Let's go to our break and uh, and then we'll be back to wrap things up. Take some phone calls if you'd like. Phone number 888 898 2525. That's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Vandy at the half now. Vandy at the half, leading USC 34 32. Both teams hit their last three
2: shots of the half.
1: And I so we so got a tie. homered
2: too, big time at Vandy, where you would expect. Getting homered? Yes. Eight eight free throw attempts by Vanderbilt, none by South Carolina thus far.
1: Maybe they should attack the basket. <laughs> All right, we'll hit the break, and we'll be back in a moment.
10: Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com.
0: Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts and sporting events through Co-op Connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more
5: at touchstoneenergy.com.
1: all right let's go to the phones triple eight eight nine eight two five two five and sam down in charleston how are you tonight sam good to have you with us
11: Phil, Chris, and Pat, who got to do well, and a happy new
1: year. Happy new year, Sam. Happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Hey, um,
11: what is your um, trivia
1: question for the week? Okay. But what What is is our trivia trivia question? You're asking, uh, what is our trivia question for the week? Yeah. Our trivia question for the week is this Who was. The basketball coach at the College of Charleston, when the Cougars were really, really, really good.
11: mean red hot, right? Um, I would say a couple of few things. Um, I think it's, my, I think it's me. It's not about me. It's about Coach Pat Kelsey. This is our city, um, and I've got to tell you this. We're only a uh, top twenty-three in AP poll. If you know that, how
1: about that, huh?
11: Well, I gotta tell you, I was really impressed with my team this year, and I want to I want to speak on my behalf of the team because um, Ben Larson is a great 3 pointer shooter, like UBA shots, check-up shots. Um, he did so much for our team, and you know, I'm super proud of him. So the quick question we're having this week, I want to talk about, to think about this this week to both of you. What do you think think about the future of Coach Kelsey's future next year? And some great news to tell you. Should I come back for more? This is my ninth year.
1: Your ninth year at the College of Charleston?
11: Well, this is my tenth year, so... Mm.
1: Do you start? Do you start classes tomorrow, or what? Or what starts tomorrow for you?
11: Um. So I'm am I'm, I'm still confused about something. Hmm. So somebody told me we have a game on the Thursday, in, in, instead of I thought we have a game on Thursday night until Saturday. Can you explain that to me? Well, you have
1: a game tomorrow night on the road at North Carolina Central. Did I say that? A North A&T. Carolina A&T, yeah. So you got a game tomorrow night. It's going to be on the CBS Sports Network. It's actually going to tip off at 5 o'clock. So you can have dinner with the Cougs tomorrow night.
2: Nice. At well, North Carolina
11: actually, A&T. Well, actually, I'm not so, – so this year I'm not supposed to be out there with them this year because I do home games. But I like, I like hot dogs, but I can too, knock down two hot dogs. Mm. And a friend and the choke. So who wants to join me?
10: Ooh, with you, Sam. A good stadium dog's tough to beat, man.
11: <laughs> How
1: much are the hot dogs there, though, Sam? I mean, are they a little pricey?
11: Um, So, a couple of years ago, when Coach Oakland was there, I was thinking it's not too much. I, I was thinking about like $10 for a hot dog. Ooh. And they're well
1: and- within our budget. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam, thank you very much. So the Cougs are going to play at North Carolina A&T. They're coming off a win at Towson. Towson's good. And That That's was a good two-point favorite. win. Yeah. Yep. So they got A&T. Then they got a home game on Saturday against Delaware, another 5 o'clock game. Must be some package. There's some package they've got, uh, 5 o'clock games on the CBS Sports Network, because this one's on the CBS Sports Network, on Saturday against Delaware. And then they go to Wilmington. The next week on the eleventh and back home the following Saturday against Elon and then a home game two days later against William and Mary. So and that's a five o'clock game. What is it with these five o'clock games? What am You're I not what TV am I not, not knowing? What am I not understanding here?
2: My guess is Phil the uh, colonial probably has a situation where they figured out a way to get their games on television as a mid major and you just have to play it a little bit earlier. It's Unless their, it's sorry. back half of a double header with the women playing you know
10: at 7.30. Go ahead, Pat. I was gonna say, maybe it's their version of the Maction. We get to see the <laughs> football. So, there you go. There
1: you go. The Caction, C double A caction. Uh, I mean, I get it five o'clock. I'm not so sure how good that is, like in during the week for attendance, five o'clock. Though the beautiful thing is, uh, you know, downtown Charleston, you come out of a bar, you come out of work, you go right to the arena. It's right there on, uh,
2: I'm telling you, if, on if, on Charleston, Main Street, fans, on King if Street. Charleston fans are using that as an excuse, I've seen those guys up close and personal plate. They are an extremely good basketball team. You mm-hmm. need to go watch those guys. They are phenomenally yeah. good. There's yeah. a reason they're ranked inside the top 25. It's deserved.
1: Yeah. Well, they've beaten Virginia Tech this year. They've beaten Colorado State. Those are good teams. Uh, they've beaten Davidson handily. Um, I
2: mean, They beat Richmond. When, when North Carolina was actually mm-hmm. good. They, beat, you know, the they the lost year. to
1: North Carolina, but if I'm not mistaken, they had a lead in that game for a while, didn't they?
2: And have not lost since.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good team that uh, they put together there. We'll yeah. get Coach on the program here uh, at the, uh, the next opportunity to I do thought,
2: so. I thought you were going to ask. Sam, when he asked about the trivia question that you were going to ask, who was the second gunman on the grassy knoll? <laughs> <laughs> he'd have probably given us an answer. <laughs> he'd have probably
1: he'd have probably answered it. You know. <clears throat> All right, let's update some other uh, some other basketball. Uh, we told you South Carolina's at the half. Tennessee, Mississippi State, forty-six to twenty-two Vols uh, at halftime. So they got everything going their way. Louisville, Syracuse, 1919. Uh, that is uh, in the first half, nine o nine to go in the first half. Let me update that. 35 34 at halftime. Louisville over Syracuse. Now, how is it, using the ESPN page here, that on the front page it gives me a score of 1919, but then you click on that and it gives you a score that's 10 minutes later? You know, later in the game. That makes no sense. But nothing makes sense to me anymore. Notre Dame and Boston College at halftime. Notre Dame is up 38-34. So I have to click on these things to get the actual up-to-date score. So typical. LSU, Kentucky still to come. Uh, Ole Miss, Alabama, Virginia, and Pitt uh, still to come tonight. Okay. Uh, Let's see if we have anything else to pass along. Yeah, a couple of other notes Couple of things I didn't get to last night. Uh, still good for uh, tonight. By the way, how about the the turnout on our poll question here, guys? A thousand and eighty-seven yeah, votes over. You know, Twitter now has a a way for you to guess. Uh, it it keeps count of the number of people that look at your tweet, I guess, or click mm-hmm. on your tweet. Eighty-four hundred people have clicked on the tweet, and a thousand eighty-seven have voted. So uh, that's a uh, that's a uh, you know. Been a very popular uh, poll question for us. So let's see, what else did I have to tell you about? Um, oh, this is interesting. Um, Manny Navarro, who is a recruiting reporter uh, for one of the recruiting websites, or maybe the athletic, um, he was talking to some recruits at the Under Armour game, and several recruits have told him these are high school guys, uh, told him that they've had offers of a million dollars. Player number one, he said 400000 a year. said it was surprising for sure, and I'm a defensive back. Uh, player number two said, I never had money tossed my way in any conversations. Player number three, somebody tried to throw a million at me on signing day. Somebody called my parents and coaches. My loyalty to the program I signed with isn't worth a million dollars. I'll make that in no time. Player number four, I don't want to answer that when it was more than a million dollars. This is being thrown out to, to high school <laughs> recruits now, you know. And they're not, you know, and and the NCAA says, "No, no, 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 I can't use this in recruiting now." Yeah, right. Let's don't use this in recruiting. Uh let's see, we told you about that. We mentioned that. Uh we touched on that. Uh we covered that. Uh oh, the net got rankings. Real quick. Let me so give you it the mind. net Let me give okay. you these net rankings real quick. Uh College of Charleston this week 49. Clemson, 78, Furman, 159, Wofford, 217, Gamecocks, 263, Coastal, 266, Winthrop, 274, Citadel, 282, Charleston, Southern, 301, Upstate, 303, PC, 329, and State, 343. Go.
2: DeMar Hamlin's uncle spoke a little bit ago, I guess, with a station up in Buffalo and said his breathing is focused but improving and they've been blown away by the support. So it sounds like more encouraging news on his recovery.
1: That sounds great. That's what we need. Great way to end the show with encouraging news on that front.
2: Everybody have a great
1: night. Thanks for being with us. You have a nice trip to Boone, Chris. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you tomorrow night here on Sports Talk.